welcome back to How It's Played. My name is Eli Sutland, and joining me along today is Brad Killian and Katie Buckles. Awesome. So today we have some interesting news for everyone. Uh, recently, according to a Forbes article by David Bloom, there is currently a $50 million stadium being built in southern Philadelphia. And this isn't just like a football stadium or a basketball stadium. It's an esports stadium dedicated all around games like Overwatch, League of Legends, and CSGO. Basically, any game that could be made into esports, it will fit the stadium's bill. So what are your guys' initial thoughts when you guys sort of saw that they were building the stadium in uh, South Philadelphia? So I can go first here. So this uh, this stadium is being built by Comcast, who are the owners of the Philadelphia Fusion, an Overwatch League team. And I know a fair bit about Overwatch League. I followed the scene a lot. So, I, so I've known about this news for a while. I think they either just started the groundbreaking ceremony or they're getting to that and they're going to start construction. And the stadium should be finished around 2021. Um, but when I heard about, like, the cost and everything like that, I heard about, like, you know, because the thing is, like, this is – it's it's a small – it's a, it's being sold as, like, an esports stadium, but it's not necessarily an esports exclusive stadium. You can hold, like, concerts and stuff here. And I know that Comcast, as part of their press release um, – said that like when it's not being used for an esports event it would be for concerts and stuff like that but i do i do think it's really cool that esports is at a point now where you can market your like stadiums and other products as you know an esports product so it's kind of like advertising mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh katie what were your initial thoughts when um you saw the news that they were building this gigantic stadium were you a little bit thrown off well for the most part, I never really follow esports myself, but it's really interesting how esports has really come along. I mean, I just never really thought that esports would be a popular thing. I mean, I thought thought esports would just be people playing video game sports, like video game soccer, video game football, mm-hmm. and it's really just exclusive to video games. Mm-hmm. They've come along way from just the home to just worldwide mm-hmm. um so have you guys ever heard of um esports stadiums before i kn- know that you said you aren't too familiar with esports but have has this ever like um crossed the news before or was this a sort of a brand new thing that you guys were sort of thrown off by me personally i just feel like it's come a long come a long way. I thought it just used to be in groups, like in clubs, and now it's just gone off so nationally. Like, it's... The technology has advanced, and... Yeah. It's really changing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on the, uh, these stadiums that are currently <laughs> being built? So, I, while I haven't been around as long as many other, like, esports uh mm, let's just say, like, historians or, like, members of the community that have been around since its inception. I do, I am, like, fairly uh, well-versed in the history of esports. And, you know, it was around the, the early 90s when the idea of, like, coming, like, selling tickets and going to an event at a stadium to watch, let's say, StarCraft II, let's say, Street Fighter, you know, was much more of a thing. And so, like, we we've seen... 
um, especially in places like South Korea, you know, StarCraft II being this massive, you know, venture. And yeah, so I'm, I mean, it's like, I'm not, I'm not too surprised to see that like people wanting to come together to watch, you know, something that they all have interest in play it at the highest level. So yeah, I just think it's really cool that, you know, it's becoming more and more like a mainstream thing. Mm. And are you, and does this include children t- too, even toward kindergarten through um, middle school? Are you talk about like a like a competition level, or are you talking like watching the event? Either competition or watching. So, es- being an esports athlete is all th- with all things considered a job that you get paid for either through your organization or through your prize winning. So there are like you know child child labor laws, and it's like typically in in like the fighting game community or the FGC, you'll see like young. Uh, competitors pop up every now and then that are able to enter the tournament and I think there was one recently at Evo last year but I'd have to look more into that where it's like a very young competitor did very well I think it was in Smash Brothers Ultimate but don't quote me on that but it's like mm-hmm. when, when you talk about being signed to an organization typically you do have to be like 18 or older and I know at least for the Overwatch League, you have to be 18 because you also have to do with fl- like traveling and, you know, it won't, like I said, child labor laws. So, but, you know, as like a spectator, typically the broadcasts, um, it depends on the scene. So, for example, I know that CSGO is pretty uh, unrated. So it's like you'll get F-bombs and like, you know, other swears and such so maybe that's not for them but like overwatch league is pretty like e for everyone i would say maybe yeah you know teen ish so it really just depends on the scene so you have to be aware of the adult content and what's appropriate for kids i'm Mm -hmm. guessing yeah so i think ultimately um when i hear about esports stadiums i think what they're trying to do is basically bring a lot of people together um because they're recognizing that um, esports are mainly just played by everyone, and I think that is a, definitely a key concept um, that they're really embracing. Because with certain sports, you know, like you know, like with other, like I would say, more physical sports, like you know, basketball or baseball or yeah. something like that, like there's people who can't play that game due to like physical, you know, lim- limitations. But esports, literally, kids play Fortnite all the time. You see them playing like on Twitch or something like that. And, oh yeah. Like, when they hear about an esports stadium, I'm sure they, they'll get excited about hearing some of the top uh, teams coming together and playing some of their favorite games because you I get mean, inspired, you know? Yeah, if you look at this year at the Fortnite uh, World Cup or the F- World Championship, I forget yeah. exactly how they call that. Uh, you look at who who took first place, Bugga, 16-year-old kid won, like, I think it was, like, $7 million, or was it $3 million? It was, it was a lot. A, it was a lot. It was a lot of money for a sixteen-year-old <laughs> kid. So yeah, it's definitely. I'd say esports as a form of competition and entertainment. It's one of the most accessible uh, forms that anyone can get into at any age and with any like limitations you may or may not have. Uh, why do you guys think um, they are starting to build the esports stadiums now rather than back when like Overwatch came out or? 
you know, back when like Halo 2 was a massive multiplayer online kind of game, like really starting to connect people. Why do you think esports games are on the rise now? And like, why did they sort of spawn this idea of creating stadiums? Is it simply just due to like their popularity increasing or is it something more like financial, would you say? Well, I would say a a game developer needs to find a way to start money. So the obvious reason is to just sell just a small amount of games to a certain to a certain number of people. And once he's successful, he can create more games and create more of a and buy, and sell more games and mm-hmm. etc. And once that becomes popular, people would want to like compete with their friends or try to find ways to improve the game. And once all of those factors really play, people get really competitive on on prizes and go all crazy with the competition, then you can start to see that the competition can go not just on a local level, but a regional and a worldwide level to some extent. Yeah, I think it is important to notice that... um... It really depends on how well a game is fleshed out. Um, but if you, like, for example, like, games change definitely over the years, but there are a lot of games that are still, like, esports. Like, if you look at, like, Melee for Super Smash Brothers, people play that a ton. Like, the Melee community is gigantic. Um, but I think it all goes back to um, how people really, like, want to, like, um, I wouldn't say, like, um, obsessed, but like they want to protect, like uh, perfect their game. They really want to be the best at what they can be, and they, with the ability of esports rising and the ability to go to a stadium and have all these different players together in one spot and being able to play um, multiple rounds on, at the end of the day and have someone who's definitely like, oh, this person definitely won this championship, therefore they have a right to say, oh, I'm <laughs> I'm the best with this player and or with this character in this one certain game. Um, what are your thoughts about um, these different kinds of games and, like, why do you think there's stadiums being built after them, Brad? So I think when you look at traditional sports, the only way you can play the sport against another team is by having both teams physically at, you know, the stadium, the field, wherever you're playing. And so it makes sense to have stadiums built for these sports, not to mention that they draw in large crowds that would warrant the need for a lot of seating to bring people together. Uh, But video games can be played over the internet. You know, ever since the early 2000s, you don't need to have these large stadiums to have teams competing against each other. Each team member could be at their own home and just connect over Wi-Fi and play that way. But as we've seen esports evolve, you know, you want to have your teams together so there's team cohesion, chemistry, as well as less points of failure so like instead of having an internet connection being at let's say it's a 6v6 game at 12 different points spread across the world you just have one uh one point at wherever both teams are playing and now that we've seen esports you know in interest in esports grow it warrants people that want that more premium experience, having the atmosphere around them, having like-minded people to talk about the game and cheer on the game with. There are people that are willing to shell out a little bit more to go to these stadiums and watch in person you know, these competitions. And 
one another key factor that we've seen from one league, uh, that being the Overwatch League, is that season three, which is going to be next year in the 2020s mm-hmm. or at uh, 2020, yeah, all games are going to be held on the road. So traditionally, the way that leagues like the LCS or the Overwatch League has worked so far is that all the teams uh, play at one stadium. That being, uh, you know, if it's the LCS, they're playing at Riot's. Um, you know, Riot's game studio yeah. or uh, Overwatch League has been playing at the Blizzard Arena where all the teams, you know, live in the general L.A. area and then they would go to the stadium on game day. Um, but with the Overwatch League uh, really capitalizing on this uh, city based franchise model, they want the teams to be, you know, where they're named after. They want the Dallas Fuel to play in Dallas. They want the Paris Eternal to play in Paris, the London Spitfire in London, et cetera, et cetera. So they... So they want to have like uh, local home crowds pay a little bit more and get like a very premium experience. Yeah, I never really seen video games being so recognized, recognized mm-hmm. and so entitled. It used to be that when video games even popped out, parents were really concerned about video games and what can do can happen to kids. Mm -hmm. If you spend too much time playing video games, it'll rot your brain, too much technology, too much TV, etc. And now that the video game competition has kind of seen it, Mm -hmm. seen more and more, it's becoming a little more entitled because Mm -hmm. you have many people wanting to compete, compete, and people just want to really support support them in a yeah, lot of ways definitely i think it's uh really important to note out that like you said that a lot of these teams are going to be city-based mm-hmm. um which is a really interesting point because i think that um these um arenas and these stadiums are recognizing that hey we have a lot of talented players here and when you go to like a certain city if you go to like st louis and you say oh i really like the chicago cubs I'm sure a lot of people will get really angry at you because you're in St. Louis. It creates like the bridge from traditional sports to esports where it's like, you know, you you tell a fan of traditional sports like, hey, you should check out this esports thing. It's like, oh, what team should I follow? And you say things like, oh, you know, there's Cloud9, there's Team Dignitas, you know, Echo Fox. You just say these organization names and that doesn't really mean anything to you know, traditional sports fans. But if you say something like, oh, uh, the San Francisco Shock, the LA Gladiators, once again, the Dallas Fuel, at least they can start, they can make the connection. It's like, oh, you know, Dallas, that's their team. Yeah. I may or may not like Dallas as like a city <laughs> or a region. So it's like, the it, it's very surface level. And, you know, m- much like traditional sports, the players don't have to come from these cities or even from the country but yeah. it it is like that first sort of it's like dipping your toe in the water to get into a league or get into a sport or whatever yeah it really creates that like i would say like hometown connection yeah. between the sports because like if you go to st louis i'm guaranteed like there's guaranteed to be st louis cardinals fans. like, like if i told you <laughs> like if i told you uh you know oh you should really uh check out robert Kraft's, you know football team it's like that doesn't really mean anything yeah, to you. But if you, but if I tell you, oh, the New England Patriots, check those guys out. It's like I know the New England area. <laughs> yeah. If if I just say something, a, a weird name like the walls, 
I I can get kind of a more funny face over it, and I'm like, what do you mean the walls? You mean the walls of the house or what? Right. It kind of doesn't really make sense to me. I think in esports you just get a lot of funny names, mm-hmm. whereas in traditional sp- sports we can yeah. we tend to really resonate with with them. Like I know um, the N. The, the Colts or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of going back to the um, stadium discussion, you said that like a lot of people um, play at home typically. Do you feel like that they feel uh, the teams feel differently when they play in stadiums? Is that why you think there's more stadiums being built? Like that, it sort of creates this uh, sense of better performance for them. Like where they they're more optimized, or do you th- feel like it creates more more stress along the players because you did. Um, Brad, you did say there was a couple like benefits of like having better team communication because you're right next to each other and there's less points of failure. Right. Uh, generally, you know, playing on a LAN environment is better for you because with Wi-Fi, you know, it's up in the air and it's like often the connection can be unstable. Or even if it's a stable connection, it's just simply not as you know good for you as like a cabled connection. Um, and then like other benefits to you know, playing in a stadium, you know, as opposed to like, you know, over Wi-Fi and stuff is the fact that it's like, you know, having that one-on-one or like team-based chemistry is very important. If So I'm always going to go back to Overwatch because it's my bread and butter. It's yeah. the game I love. Yeah, that's all right. The game is very team-based where it's like depending on what hero you want to play, what hero you want to choose. Um, and you want you want to be able to talk with your teammates and reason with their and be able to mesh like tendencies between each other and like you know really you want to work to have your team as a unit and it's possible to do that over you know wi-fi and like over multiple different places but it's like um you don't get that uh you don't get that better unless you're like together i mean with the technology input advancing yeah we start to see even like kindergartners there's kind of losing some social skills i mean if you're if you're on a team you really want to do develop those social skills early because that's how we interact in the the real world Hmm. and for state even if it's just extra money going to waste i think it really helps the team bonding like not only how to interact within the game but also with also how to to see what you like and what get to know know them a little better outside video games yeah um i think that it's very important and it relates to this actual like another article um that was posted on espn um, by arash uh, markazi um he quoted uh jonathan althun um, who's um, the NGAG esports president. And um, the, president, the president of this group said, uh, we looked at every need for sp- esports from the community level to the player experience, and we took all those needs and built it into one single footprint here in Arl- Arlington, which is where um, that group is building like a brand new stadium for esports. Um, he continues saying, we not only want to host events for thousands of people, but we want the gaming center to be a local community hub every day. We want to create an ecosystem for esports in which all these different focuses are existing in one building. So it's a very interesting point that he made that 
it's not just the big leagues that they're like going after, like Cloud Nine or any of these sort of smaller groups. I'm <laughs> I'm sort of blanking <laughs> on group names um, at the moment, but. I think it's really important that they're saying that they're also looking at small local level stuff. Mm. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Like, why do you think that they're sort of targeting those smaller uh, competitions as well? Well, if you kind of think about a stadium, you really think about being on a national level, like Lucas Oil Stadium, or because it's right in the Indianapolis area. But if you kind of think of a small stadium, you know, I think it really helps people get to know what esports it is. Kind of like you said, dip your toe in the water to get to know what it is because esports is still kind of relatively new. We haven't fully immersed it yeah, yet. Yeah, in like the way that esports e being like this big thing that can rival traditional sports, it's relatively new. I'd say, you know, mid. 2000s maybe early 2010s um but yeah i i definitely think that like creating a local scene almost like turning your venue from like you know the the where the competition takes place you know on game night turning that into a club that people go to you know you know maybe it's wednesday afternoon you're after work it's like hey let's go to the esports uh club after work and maybe play some games of you know, CSGO or whatever. I, th I think that's pretty cool and, like, definitely takes advantage of your venue uh, during, like, what you would say is, like, dark hours where it's, like, your main events, you know, are days away or nothing's really going on. You just open up the venue have, like, a, you know, just a club sort of environment. It's kind of like you're kind of stepping up let's say for example you always play at somebody's house every right. every yeah. day and then you want to take it to the school computer lab or something Some, it's yeah. not really may not be the most fancy equipment but it's kind of a little beginner step right. and once you kind of take it to that local stadium now you're really getting into more popularity yeah. yeah they mirror um in south korea they have what's called pc bongs and it's basically it's like imagine starbucks but you go there to you know play a game of starcraft to play a game of league of legends overwatch whatever you know because i i know in cs or in south korea when the internet was you know starting to become this global like phenomenon um internet connections at individual households wasn't really that much of a thing but you can get these like uh these cafe like venues pump like very good internet into them and people could go out and also living space in south korea typically isn't as large as we know it in the states so you know you don't want to stay in like a very small room all day you go you typically you go outside and you go to these pc bongs and just queue up a couple games yeah, I think it's um, very important to show how the community forms mm -hmm. around these games. I think it's also a great financial decision for oh, these definitely. companies. Definitely. Because you have to think about it. Like, there's granted, like, every single kind of sport usually has a time frame in which they're really popular. Like, for example, like, basketball has March Madness. You know, NFL has the Super Bowl, which is in February. 
right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, there's always time frames around these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same goes for esports. Like, granted, there's like some major um, championship that goes on, but how do you populate the time in which there isn't a championship? Right. And I think that's where they're taking that idea of hey, let's look at smaller competitions. Let's bring in the community to sort of fill up those gaps where there's not a lot of times in which uh, we and, can host those big major tournaments. And so, you can also just hold, like, concerts and stuff. You know, it doesn't always have to be necessarily esports related. It's just like, you know, say, hey, you know, this small artist is performing at, uh, you know, the Fusion Arena or wherever. Yeah. I didn't mean to talk over you. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> So, if there was a time frame for esports, like official, when would it be? I would say maybe around the summer t- time, mm. maybe winter. I don't know. It mostly depends on like it, it depends on the esports. So I know that um, pretty much fighting games; those typically are year round, uh, with like major tournaments like Evo happening in the summer. Overwatch League right now starts from March and goes till what month is it? September. <laughs> so it typically around that time, but it would be mostly during the summer. But I feel like we, I I think that I'm not a huge League of Legends fan, so don't yeah. quote me on this. You're but good. LCS has like a fall series and they have like a spring series, and so it it really is just like game dependent. So it's like, and that that's why like these stadiums aren't being labeled as, you know, League of Legends stadiums or like, you know, Overwatch stadiums. They're esports stadiums that can accommodate whatever teams want to rent out the venue for however long their season is. Yeah, I think that's a very good point um, that you made that different esports have different time frames mm-hmm. because esports aren't limited to oh this should be outside or you know, yeah yeah everything's played inside so it's like you don't have to worry about temperatures and stuff yeah like if you look at like any kind of soccer stadium guaranteed ninety percent of them have that like the top part of their dome like just open like right yeah like think about like winter like no one's gonna want to play soccer in December outside no. that's crazy. Um, and it's like you don't have to pay for the hydraulics or whatever mechanism goes into opening up that map. You're you're just paying for a building that has hopefully a good AC and a good internet connection. Yeah. It's like that's all you need. Yeah. Basically. You really don't really need a lot of outdoor activity. You can just sit on your computer and just talk talk with your team member. That's right. pretty much all you have to do. Mm. Um, while we're on this discussion about uh, financial things, um, according to the uh, Forbes article, um, there were some notable investors in the industry uh, for these stadiums, including uh, Michael Jordan and the owner of the Golden State Warriors basketball team. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on these, like, sort of sport, like, basketball and, like, other kind of sports uh, investors sort of wanting to, like, delve into esports, especially with these, like, stadium expansions so we're talking about like just esports in general people investing into the industry um yeah specifically they're wanting to invest in like making sure that um these esports teams Mm -hmm. have like a place yeah i think it's just you know it's simply diversifying your you know income or diversifying your revenue in a sense where it's just like you know all these very smart you know business people like michael jordan also Drake and The Weeknd are investing in a few esports uh, teams. You know, they just see it's like, oh, this is a very popular means of entertainment, 
and it is earning, you know, pretty good money. Why don't I throw some into this, try to help bolster them up and get a return on my investment? I think it's just smart business. Yeah. I was will. I just really had my eyebrows squinched because Michael Jordan's a basketball player. Right. Yeah. And I, and I didn't know he was also a business player after he retired from basketball. Is that right? You um, mean baseball player? Basketball. Michael jo- Jordan, basketball yeah. player. Right. But anyways, it's it kind of feels like not only just pure businessmen, but also athletes athletes too because when we think of an athlete we tend to think they just invest their their time in in the in soccer or basketball mm-hmm. like practicing mm-hmm. all day but it's not really the whole picture of what an athlete is so if an athlete wants to invest in esports i think that can help maintain this the stadium industry because Stadiums aren't are more than just traditional sport sports. They're it's kind of like they're they're diversifying themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to you have to really consider that like um, uh, professional sports athletes get paid serious money. Like yeah, if was... you look at like Lionel Messi's, uh, who's probably like one of the most famous uh, soccer players, their net worth is four hundred million. Um, oh yeah, and it's which, like you're making that much money. You gotta put it somewhere. Yeah, you gotta put it somewhere. He just doesn't have a little safe in his house where he holds four hundred million. I'm sure he spent yeah, some just, of it. And probably you have just to, has like good. And you have to support more than just your own sport. Oh yeah. You. Yeah. That's why you want to try to give back to the community. Yeah, or and, you could buy more Lamborghinis <laughs> according <laughs> to, for some of them. To each their own. <laughs> yeah. But um, what do you think are some like financial like struggles of these stadiums? Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about like how um, they might go about um, getting different crowds and stuff. But what do you think would be their main struggles? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as we talked about earlier, so the Fusion Arena is six or fifty million. Yeah. For and I expect that price to probably go up. Um, but when we look at other stadiums that have been built, so like Lucas Oil, for example, it. That was built for $720 million. And, like, I know the Yankee Stadium was almost a billion dollars. I did uh, not know that. Yeah, according to, like, today's money. So it's oh. like when you look at Fusion Arena just being, like, $50 million, $50 million is still a lot of money. But it's, like, comparatively, you know, it's not that bad. And, you know, they said that they want to use these stadiums as, like, concert venues or as, like, clubs, you know, during off hours. So I don't think finance will be as like stressful as maybe because it's like how exactly do you rent out lucas oil when it's you know not being used for friday night or whenever football is played you know because it's like you can't exactly throw a rave in lucas oil and you just have like a bunch of empty space around you it doesn't quite make sense for the size of the stadium but like these smaller venues i don't see it being that much of an issue the only thing would be is like making sure you have a constant steady reliable internet connection and even then i think like some games you don't even need internet necessarily you just need to have that LAN connection that like you play like on an offline server that you can have on location think about how like i remember um like i'll i'll go to conventions uh rather frequently and um I remember going to like Indie PopCon mm-hmm. over the summer a couple of years ago. Want to go so bad? And they had 
so many TVs set up, like, playing, like, all these, like, local games. Like, they had a whole section dedicated to Smash Brothers, what, like, Melee, even though they don't have an internet connection for that game. There's oh, yeah. no, yeah, there's no internet <laughs> for that game whatsoever. Um, there was tons of people playing it, just on, like, on old TVs, and, I mean, they had, that was probably, like, one of the more popular games there. Yeah. I think generally, like, you know, your electricity bill may be higher than you know typical if you compare the rates maybe yeah but like aside but like you're replacing that with like upkeep and like just the stuff that so like we talked about like the opening roofs of some stadiums stuff like that you're saving a ton of money by not needing stuff like that necessarily yeah Mm -hmm. i would say the electricity might be a part of it because Mm -hmm. when it comes to video games you need some source of electricity the question is how you're going to pay it and, and another question is how you're going to advertise it if it's not if it's relatively new mm-hmm. yeah um speaking about new do you guys feel like these um stadiums are being built rather too quickly or do you think it's sort of their like prime time right now mm-hmm. or do you think that this has been a long time coming they totally deserve it um and they should just keep on building to their heart's content I mean, if we look at esports viewership now, it is as like it's already rivaling stuff like the NBA Finals, Super Bowl, depending on the esport. So I don't think it's too crazy to say that, you know, there's definitely enough interest to build stadiums. The question is, is the is the amount of interest in actually going to these events going to be worth the cost of? either building stadiums or renting out venues to, you know, host these events. The other question is, is the money even worth it to even build a a city-level or regional-level stadium? Like, Indianapolis Mm -hmm. is a big city in Indiana or Cleveland in Ohio. I mean, if we start with something small, like like in Carmel or in Muncie, to some extent, I would say, and esports is popular, I would say it's worth the money. And also, it's like, esports, uh, as far, like, so far, has only been in, like, one stadium, typically, per game, where it's like, all the teams are in one place. We talked about the LCS and Overwatch being in, like, Blizzard, uh, Riot Games Studio and Blizzard Arena, respectively. But with Overwatch, and I also failed to mention the call, the new Call of Duty League, which is coming out, I want to say next year, maybe the year after that. I don't exactly yeah. remember. Uh, but they want to do the the region based franchising, which has not been attempted uh, in esports history so far. Well, actually, hasn't been attempted successfully. There was a brief period. I don't exactly remember the name of it, but it was like really early two thousands. There was like a there was they tried to do like the city based franchising thing and it completely failed. Um, But I do think it's definitely a better time to do it now since interest has, you know, grown so much. Yeah. um, Speaking about the um, local growth and level, um, I actually went to um, a place in Carmel that's sort of like a small kind of tourney um, area called Player One Esports. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh, is this Carmel, Indiana? Mm-hmm, Carmel, Indiana. Um, so there is, like, a sense of growing sort of community um, in the area, 
It's just that we don't have quite the scale of like a bigger sort of sports stadium. It is it is also worth mentioning, and I wanted to bring this up, but I sort of blanked on it. So going back to Overwatch League, they have actually already done sort of home games this season, that being in Dallas, Atlanta, and Los Angeles. Kind of, but it was at a different venue. It was a little bit weird. Gotcha. But the turnouts were like every venue sold out. Wow. Um, and it was also interesting because, so we look at, they, they were called homestands. The Dallas homestand was in like a traditional stadium that you would see like a hockey game pl- be played at. You know, yeah. You know, the whole arena filled with people watching, you know, the game be played. The Atlanta homestand was held in a more like theater-like setting mm-hmm. at the Cobb Energy Center, I want to say. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it is that. And, you know, seeing how it's like... Because basically all you need is however many computers per player and then just seating for general admission. That's all you need. You don't need like these big fields or anything. So you can play in like a traditional stadium or you can play at like a theater. So yeah. it's not really limited. Yeah. What were what would your guys' thoughts be if um, we would have an esports stadium sort of being built in like Muncie or Ooh. Indianapolis? Mm. Like I'm talking like another Lucas Oil Stadium, but dedicated for esports. Maybe not like quite as expensive or quite as big and bricky, <laughs> but like yeah. you know, like you know, a good size esports stadium. Well, it'll have to depend on the finances because you know Muncie. The only thing you know about Muncie is Ball State and downtown town and downtown. Yeah, Muncie's not so great. <laughs> <laughs> Besides. And outside of it, it's pretty much a bunch of pawn shops and your local shops. So right. there's nothing much, much beyond that. You'll have we'll have to. We're still trying to build, build it up. Yeah. Like Try to build people homes or yeah. There's clean clean up, like other... the finance stuff. I think uh, like. If we were maybe talk about Indianapolis, though, I don't think it'd be super necessary because generally, like, you know, this Rust Belt sort of area, we're not known for being super hip and trendy. And so, <laughs> so I imagine there'd be a lot of people. It's like, what is this e-gaming in my, like, on my ESPN, you know? <laughs> so I think going so far as to build a stadium would, you know, that would not make a lot of taxpayers very happy. But I could see renting out, I don't know the name of where the Pacers play, but like renting out that stadium, for example, and playing like that. Um, But, you know, either in Indianapolis or Chicago, maybe a couple years down the line, if if this Rust Belt sort of area had enough interest in a team, definitely I could see, you know, or or even like Detroit, you know, it's not that far away. And I hear it's on the up for like many (laughs) years now. But the first part when it comes to building an eSport is kind of like the re-innovating and the construction. Mm -hmm. And last time I went down to Indianapolis, we had like a bunch of issues trying to get these one-way streets and a lot of construction like going on. It's not not a ton of room. (laughs) I think people are just trying to make the city more popular popular just by tearing down the old and trying to create the new just to make it pop 
PLR. Yeah, and that's why with like the Overwatch League, a lot of teams they're not building their own stadium. As far as I'm aware, the Philadelphia Fusion are the only team that are like actively building a stadium. The the rest of the teams are like renting out. Like I know the LA Valiant are renting out the Microsoft Center, and like the Washington Justice are renting out the. I want to say it's the like the entertainment and sports arena in the DC area. And so it's like I think that's the route esports is going to take if the if more uh if more games go to this region and like traveling game type of scenario like renting out venues as opposed to building venues, but you know, I'm definitely excited to see maybe more, you know, stadiums be built in on like a smaller scale. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a lot cheap. But if you just run out a tiny space, exactly, because if you just if the government just piles all this money just to build a stadium, the question is, is it really worth? Right. It? Yeah. Especially if you're talking like cities like New York or L.A., where real estate is absolutely insane. It's <laughs> like let's just use what we already have. We don't need anything new. Gotcha. Um, I have one final question before you guys before we wrap up. Let's say they do build that stadium in Indianapolis. Uh, would you guys be interested in going and seeing a competition there, uh, whether or not it's like Overwatch or like uh, CS:GO or like a Smash Brothers or a Fortnite thing? Uh, would you guys be willing to buy a ticket to go see the uh, those competitions? How much do those tickets cost? Yeah, uh, that's probably the biggest thing. Ooh, that's that's a good question. Um, let's say they would be the average kind of sports game ticket. Thirty dollars. I'm mm. not sure how much like it would. It get. would depend on the game. So, like for example, if it's Overwatch, I'd pay you know seventy, even a hundred dollars if it's really good seating. Uh, if it's CS:GO, I'm not even paying five dollars because that game is trash. Ooh. <laughs> League of Legends, I pay like buck fifty. I don't know. <laughs> more mixed, I have more mixed feelings about this because number one, it depends on the interest and if the government is doing its job, right. which means is it maintaining its roads, maintaining mm-hmm. its buildings, but and not paying so much money on esports if no one's really interested in even just overpriced tickets like $1,000 for just one just for one game for like a penthouse suite or something yeah i'm not willing to go that far <laughs> quite yet but you know if it's a game if, if it's an entertaining game to watch even if i don't play it myself you know if as long as they put on a good show you know i'd be willing to kick a few shillings but what mm-hmm. do you mean by good show brad um i don't I, if the game is fun to watch so like mm-hmm. you know if the venue has like proper like viewing like if they're not playing on like 20 inch monitors that are like you know 50 feet away on the stage you know but if they have like the big lcd screens and it's like i can watch it and if the game itself is fun to watch like i personally i'm not a huge fan of starcraft because there's a lot of downtime in that game but if we're talking a game like you know overwatch where it's like pretty it's it's pretty mirrorable to football where it's like short bursts of action and it's like meaningful action at that and it's like yeah I can I can get behind that. Gotcha. Well, this has been House Played and I've been your host Eli Sicklin and joining me along today was Katie Buckles and Brad Killian. Awesome. Make sure to check us out at bitebsu.com along with SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, 
basically any social media platform will be there. And this has been How It's Played. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.